Good morning. This is Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who've been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Mike Waldrop from Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. Livingston United Methodist Fellowship is located on 104 Roberts Street in Livingston. They have Sunday school on Sunday mornings beginning at 945. Worship service is at 11. And then on Wednesdays, you can join them at 6 o'clock at Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Hi, Mike. Thanks Good for morning. being here today. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to have some time with you. Uh, Mike is a new minister here in the Upper Cumberland area. And so, Mike, I did a little uh, research just to try to get you to know you better before the show, and I learned you're from Georgia. That's correct, yeah. Where did you grow up in Georgia? On the south side of Atlanta in Forest Park. It's near the airport. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, what did you do as a child growing up in Forest Park? Played a lot of sports, played basketball and baseball primarily, and uh, graduated from Forest Park High School. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have favorite teams now? I do. Um, My favorite team has always been the Washington Redskins. Yeah. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of controversy around those things. Yeah. 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 And I've always liked the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. Yeah. I always liked the Atlanta Braves for the baseball side, but I haven't really gotten uh, attached to the Falcons. Okay. Yeah. I see that. (laughs) Yeah. So um, when you were a child, tell us a little bit about your home. How did you grow up? Do you have siblings? Yes. I have a sister who's three years younger. Uh, My dad worked for the post office. In fact, he retired from the post office after about 30 years. My mom was a stay-at-home mom while we were there. And and, uh, then she started uh, teaching and substituting uh, in kindergarten. Once uh, the kids were kind of out of school. I cannot imagine being a uh, post office employee in Atlanta. Well, it was a smaller town then. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Wow, that boggles my mind, though. There's so many people there. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a a nostalgic thought, though. Dad's a... A postmaster, your mom's, you know. Singer. And before he was a, the post office, he worked at a Highland Bakery, which was in Atlanta he at the did? time. And I used to ride the route with him occasionally as a oh, kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was that was exciting, except I always had got a headache from all the good smells, and he wouldn't let us eat until oh, lunchtime. that was going to be my next question. <laughs> did you get to sample the goodies? No, unfortunately. Wow. So what kinds of things were in the back of that bakery truck? Oh, my gosh, all kinds of things. Well, you know, of course, bread and yeah, rolls, yeah, yeah. but sweet rolls, yeah. cinnamon rolls, oh. all of that stuff. And you had to smell it without I eating did, it. I did. I did. You learned a life of sacrifice very young. A deprivation. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So when did you leave Atlanta? Or that when area? I graduated from high school, uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, fortunate enough to get selected to go to the Air Force Academy. Oh, wow. And so Colorado I left home. Springs? Colorado right? Springs. Yes. Just outside of Colorado Springs. Okay. And uh, I had never been on an airplane or a train when I left home, but I flew out to Colorado wow. my first flight. So I graduated from the Air Force Academy in 1969. Wow. A long time before you were born, I'm sure. What did you do? What did I do? I mm-hmm. flew in the Air Force, uh, became a pilot, mm-hmm. and flew. Um, it was back during the time of the Vietnam War, okay. at the end of the Vietnam War. And but I flew. Planes did you fly? I flew a uh, fighter interceptor. It's called an F 106. Yes. Yeah. And I flew primarily in the United States until 1975. And then I went over to Thailand and flew an OV 10, which is a forward air controller airplane. Okay. Yeah. 
So I was there for eight months and then came back into the States after that. So how many G's does an interceptor pull? We could pull seven. That's wow. our max. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's you have a whole different perspective of life, don't you? Looking at the world from seven G's and how uh, You how don't look feet? a lot at seven G's, even though we wore a G suit. It, yeah. Uh, it, it forces uh, the blood down to your feet. So, so what can you see when you're up? Uh, what altitude oh, are you amazing. flying at? Thirty thousand or higher? Yeah, above thirty thousand. Generally, yeah. depending on what you were doing, but yeah, in general, when we were just cruising, we were at thirty above above the commercial jets. Really, at thirty seven, thirty nine thousand, even forty. How did that um, affect or impact your sense of God? Well, it's just amazing the awe that you feel uh, and seeing our country and uh, the earth from different yeah. from that height from that perspective and how beautiful things are although you lose color as you get higher okay. you can't see color as well right. in fact not at all at some point okay yeah yeah wow did it impact uh, like I would look at that and think oh my gosh look at creation exactly exactly creation um, especially when I went to school out in Colorado I'd never really seen the mountains other than the Smokies so wow. the Colorado Rockies are just majestic in Pikes Peak and all and, and Garden of the Gods out in Colorado Springs yeah, yeah. all of that handiwork of God is just on display there and uh, it was amazing. And actually, I experienced my first call into ministry at the Air Force Academy. Is that right? Yes, I did. Oh I was on a goodness. retreat and felt God's call in my life. I was attending a Baptist student union at the time because United Methodist Church, which I grew up as a United Methodist, um, did not have a presence on that campus. Oh okay. But the Baptist Student Union would come in and pick us up and take us down into Colorado Springs. And oh, so wow. it was a nice way to get off the air, uh, the base. I bet so. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back and uh, we'll hear more about Mike Waldrop's call to ministry from the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and from several thousand feet. <laughs> I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're back with Mike Waldrop, who is the pastor at Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. And before the break, Mike was telling us about being at Colorado Springs in the Air Force Academy and feeling this call to God. So tell us about that, Mike. How did God begin to work in your life and in your heart? You mentioned it's through the Baptist Student Union there. And so... Tell us how all that came to fruition. Well, correct. Uh, Reverend Don Gurney was the pastor at the Baptist Student Union there, and he and his wife ran basically a, a house that the cadets could get away on the weekends and come down and stay. And um, he was just a powerful influence in my life at the time. And I discussed with him after the retreat uh, this calling that I felt to, to go into ministry. And, and he counseled me and said, you know, um, part of the problem was I was graduating from the academy. I had this commitment with the Air Force. And so he said, look, he said, God will be with you. Just continue to be in the church and it will work itself out over time. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it took about 20 years for it to work itself right? out. Wow. Yes. Were yes. you in the Air Force all that time? No, I got out after about nine years in the Air Force and became a consultant. But God was working all that time in our lives. And it was uh, particularly um, one 
one part of our consulting time was spent overseas for about two years. And um, it was a time of um, spiritual deprivation for us, I guess I would say. And we came back to the States intentionally bent on working on our spiritual growth and our discipleship. And we did that through a number of small group activities at the church that we went to at the time which was St. Paul's United Methodist, which has since merged with Mount Juliet First to become Grace United Methodist Church. But anyway, uh, that church had a number of small group opportunities. One was the John Wesley Great Experiment. Oh, wow. Uh, Another one was um, um, an Edward Day one on disciplines. And so we spent time, and then I ended up going to a walk to Emmaus, Okay, and for our listeners who don't know, tell them what a Walk to Emmaus is. Walk to Emmaus is a three-day retreat, and it's basically a short course in Christianity. And it, and it gives you the opportunity to experience firsthand the depth of love that God has for you in your life. And you experience that through the care and ministrations of such a number of people over that weekend. And it's just an amazing time of learning and discussion and sharing and worship. It's a wonderful retreat to experience God, isn't it? Absolutely true. And it was during that retreat after 20 years that I heard the call again into ministry. I was sitting there, and I don't know if you've been to Emmaus, but uh, on that Saturday night in the chapel, and I was sitting in the pew praying, and all of a sudden this voice came to me, (laughs) you know, Mike. You've got to go to ministry, go to go to seminary is what it said. So did you say yes, God? I didn't actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was still resisting a little bit. Yeah. And uh, while I I tried to respond to it and uh, I I was hoping that my wife would hear that same message when she went two weeks later, I thought God's going to have to pave the way for me a little bit. But guess what? Hmm. Becky heard her own message, which is fine, but she didn't hear that message. So after her retreat, I sprung the news on her that I felt called into ministry. And so we were fortunate to have such powerful few, uh, several mentors at St. Paul's. One of them was Danny, Reverend Danny Morris. The other one was Reverend Dave McIntyre. Those were great folks. Uh, Danny Morris was of course running, uh, programs out of the upper room at the time. And so he was really responsible for the Emmaus movement coming into United Methodist Church. So it was just a powerful uh, uh, witness for us and his life. And they counseled us and worked with us. And I can't tell you the um, grace that God poured out on us during that time frame. I went to walk to Emmaus in April and I was in Emory in August. Wow. And, um, I had a scholarship and it was all because Danny got on the phone and called somebody he knew and said, are there any scholarships? And they said, we had two cancellations. There you go. And so we were able to go to Emory. Funny how that happened. It was funny. It's funny how that all the doors seemed to open. All the doors seemed to open. And I was working for a consulting firm at the time. And I went to tell my boss there in, in Nashville that I was feeling this call in the ministry and was going to go to seminary. And I called him on a Sunday night and said, can I come by and talk with you? And he said, great. And I came over and we sat down and I started to tell him the story. And he looked at his wife and he said, I told you. He He said, I knew that this was what he was going to be doing. Wow. Yeah. 
That's amazing. It was amazing. It's amazing how God works. It's powerful that most times we don't see it. Right. You know, but right. we see it through other people's eyes. Yes. And uh, that's the importance of why community is necessary for us, you know, to, to help affirm and encourage us and, and point us toward God. Yes, we need each other. We do. We definitely Absolutely. need each other. What was it like the first time you stepped in a pulpit? Well, we were just talking about that yesterday, as really? a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, the first tell. time <laughs> the first time I preached, it was uh, before I got to seminary. Um, they had uh, a need for a, a pastor or, or someone to preach at Union United Methodist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee, okay. uh, which is no longer a church anymore, but not because of my preaching, I hope. But, <laughs> but in any case, I said, fine, I guess I'll go do this. And so we went over there on Sunday morning for their service, and it was such an odd experience because there was about 12 people in the church, but they were all sitting on one side of the church, had a center aisle, but they were all sitting on the right side. And I thought, that's strange. Why are they doing that? And so I was about halfway through my sermon, and the ceiling fell in on the left side. Well, there you go. They they knew that, and uh, fortunately, nobody else was over there. Wow. But it was uh, it was a powerful moment of remembering for us both my wife and myself um because we had gone over to that church the day before just to see where it was and to kind of check it out and when we walked into it actually we broke into it but don't tell anybody (laughs) well no we're not no we're not telling anybody that we broke in in the sense of the back door was just kind of propped closed and so we kind of went in it was a jar yes wasn't locked (laughs) and so um we didn't break and enter anyway um just the overwhelming sense of smell that came to us that reminded us of those churches out of our childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that we felt at home. And that was a powerful experience for both Becky and me at that time. Yeah. And so it was an affirmation. And I can't tell you the number of affirmations that we got all through seminary um, and then graduated in 91 and took our first appointment in Franklin as okay. an associate pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you were home, weren't you? We were. We were home. wonderful. I'm Dena Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back after this. I'm Dena Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're back this morning with Mike Waldrop from Livingston United Methodist Fellowship, and Mike would like to share a motivational moment. This morning, I wanted to read a text from Luke's Gospel in the 18th chapter, beginning in the 9th verse. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. I think there are a number of learnings that we can take from this text. Uh, One of the things that impresses me most about this is that we receive God's grace and vindication in spite of who we are, in spite of our sin, not because of our goodness, not because we earn it. It is the free gift of God. 
God's mercy is one of the prime character traits of who he is in our lives. And we often seek justice for other people, but we want mercy for ourselves for sure. But God's mercy is for all people. And that's sometimes hard for us to understand. But God hears those who come to him with empty and dirty hands and loves them no less than those who have labored mightily for the kingdom. So we are invited today to discover through this text the unconditional love and mercy of God for the sinner. And when we do that, when we understand that we are just like the tax collector in all of our lives, that we are free then to serve God boldly, not depending on our own righteousness, but with God's vindication, we are free to serve him completely and freely. We should not leave today thinking, goodness, I'm sure glad I'm not like this Pharisee, because that blows the whole cover. You see, even though we receive God's free gifts and mercy, it's easy for us, just like the Pharisee, to become self-important, to believe it's our own accomplishments. But we are all vulnerable, vulnerable to pride and vulnerable to self-righteousness. And for us, if we, when and if we recognize our need and acknowledge our sinfulness, then in fact, we will not be able to draw lines between people. We will not be able to separate ourselves. And grace is received paradoxically by those who have learned empathy for others when we identify with others. And as soon as we divide humanity into any kind of groups, we become just like the Pharisee. Anytime we draw a line between who's in and who's out, this parable tells us that God is always with the outsider. And finally, God is the judge, not us. And that's an important reminder because we want to remember that we are following Jesus Christ and his example. And I want to read this Philippians passage just as a reminder of who Jesus is for us. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. May you remember today that God loves you and cares for you, no matter who you are or what you've done. Thank you, Mike. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and I'm back with Mike Waldrop, who is the pastor at Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. And Mike, this is my favorite segment of the show because I just get to ask any question I want, and it puts you on the spot because you feel like you have to answer. Um, <laughs> but the beauty is you get to plead the fifth. Oh, great. On one of them. Excellent. Oh, on one. On oh, one of them. All right. Yeah, so, you know, there's no phone a friend. Sorry about that, but <laughs> but you do get to plead the fifth on one of them. So, um, yeah, let's start here. Do you have uh, a favorite Christmas present that you think about from years ago? Yeah, when I was a kid, about six years old, I got a cowboy outfit with what? a hat, two six-guns, 
chaps. That was my favorite Christmas present ever. That is a nice Christmas present. Yeah. I bet you felt like somebody. Oh my gosh, yes. Did you uh, did you chase your sister with those guns, those cap guns? At times. <laughs> <laughs> what did your sister get that Christmas? Do you remember? You know, I think she got a cowgirl outfit. Yes, as she a matter did. of fact. Perfect. I bet somewhere logged in a closet or a photo album is a picture of you and your sister. In your cowboy and cowgirl outfit. Very possibly. Very yes. possibly. You know, if, if you're listening out there and, and you seem to have a picture of the good Reverend Mike, you could post that on uh, Facebook. I'm sure people would make that go viral. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's see. Next question. What is your most embarrassing moment? Ooh, that's a hard one. Because I've had a lot of so embarrassing many. moments. <laughs> Okay, you got to nail it down to well, one. Well, one of one of my most embarrassing moments was when I, I sing in the choir, and uh, it was before I was a pastor, uh, and I was singing in this choir, and we were doing the uh, um, Hallelujah chorus oh. for for Easter. That's quite the piece. And I got the solo. You did? <laughs> no, I mean, I, not on purpose. Oh, you missed an entrance? I came in. I came, actually, came in I was the, I, no, I was the only one who came in on time, but it was a solo nonetheless. Yes, you were. You knew your music. <laughs> you were ready for the Hallelujah I, Chorus. It didn't feel like it at the time, though, I'll wow. tell you. So it did was, you keep singing or did you just stop? Well, I did. I went, And then I waited for everybody else to come in, but any case that's funny it was it was funny unless yeah you at the time (laughs) unless you're me that's right unless you're standing up there with a red face that's correct oh my gosh okay mike question number three if you were arrested for a crime Mm. what would your family say that was i have to plead the fifth on that one oh shucks okay yeah yeah, pleading the fifth is very appropriate for that question. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Do you have a favorite TV show, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon? We watch a lot of Netflix, yeah. uh, but we record a lot of shows as well. And I think our favorite show right now is Young Sheldon. That's and the funniest show on TV, hands and, down. And unbelievable. And and also before that, Big Bang Theory, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You have a favorite character on there? Oh, I love Sheldon. Sheldon. Yeah, he's great. Leonard and Penny. Um, they're good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't oh. like Penny, right? Oh my gosh, that that show to me is so hysterical because there are times I have no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> and I know that it's probably accurate in the physics world. Right. Uh, it should be. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I like Young Sheldon. There's, you know, there's an element of faith that happens. Absolutely, there is. It's, I love the uh, Baptist pastor that's in there yes, as well. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. Maybe that's just our own little sense of uh, sensationalism for being pastors. It's our personal bias. Yes. It's cool to be able to see that little bit happening in mm. a, you know, a, a television show that millions of people are watching. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, let's see. We're down to question number five. If you could be uh, any superhero, which superhero would you be? And you can make up your own superhero if oh, you want. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's nice. Um, you know, I I don't particularly uh, have a favorite superhero. 
other than Superman. Okay. Yeah. But I would link him to Jesus yeah. in a sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So and would you want to fly? I like love Superman? to fly. I love to fly. Yeah. And to be able to fly personally, that would be great. Other than an airplane, that's good too. But, but flying alone, that would be great to have that sense of ability to escape gravity and yeah, where would yeah. you fly? Oh gosh. If you could fly your person, like, you know, yeah, yeah, like a bird, yeah. where would you fly? I would fly back to the Rockies. I love the Rockies. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I also like flying in California along the beach. Uh-huh. That that coast along the California, Northern California coast is just Gorgeous. tremendous. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't go back to Georgia. It's not, you know, you not anything know. particular. But no, there's too much air traffic there. Wow. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> I've been stuck in Atlanta too often. Yes, absolutely. Point taken. Thank you, Mike, for being here today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You have a wonderful story. Thank you. And uh, we're so happy that you you have shared it. We're so grateful that you're leading uh, folks at Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. Yes, thank you. And again, if you're listening and you're looking for a, a family, a faith family, you have found it. Um, If you will just join Mike and his friends at Livingston United Methodist Fellowship Sunday mornings starting at 945 for Sunday school, 11 for worship and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And we also want to mention, although we uh, didn't get to talk a lot about it, there's a food ministry there. And so if you are in need of food in the area, we invite Mm -hmm. you to contact Livingston United Methodist Fellowship. Absolutely. And it's on Wednesdays. And we start serving food around 1030. So come early because it's first come, first serve. Perfect. Thank you, Mike, for discussing your calling. Each week we'll introduce you to members of the community who followed their call to serve. I'm Denna Hornby, and this has been The Calling.